Hello and welcome to Soul Revival Church on this lovely Sunday night. People had a good weekend. We are one step closer, one week closer to meeting together in real life. Um, I hope you guys have had a good weekend and I am going to pray before we get into anything. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for looking after us. Thank you, God, that we can socialise a little bit more and that we are closer to meeting together um, at church. And we pray now that you will bless this time together, that we can have a great time singing and praying and learning together. Um, amen. I have um, had the pleasure of seeing my children blossom on Zoom and be able to be involved in church even though we're not physically here. If you have kids and have not been able to get to the Zoom meetings, they have been fantastic. And I mean, even last Friday night, Lucy at Fuse was playing Empires. They've been playing Scattergrees and all kinds of things. And Ted, the youth leaders put in so much effort with this awesome scavenger hunt. It was fantastic and they'd hidden little things in different people's houses and he had the best time. So yeah, it's just amazing the things that we can do on Zoom even though we are not physically together. But as I said, getting closer and closer. Hey everyone, wanted to give you an update today on how we're traveling as we are starting to work out how we emerge from COVID. The government has started to ease some of the regulations around social distancing and allowing more people to gather together, but we uh, continue to be very careful and cautious because we want to be good citizens and we want to make sure we keep everybody safe and so we're not rushing back to public gatherings, but we want to be thoughtful and careful. Um, over the last few weeks we've sent out a couple of surveys to the church to get your opinions on how you think it would be a good thing uh, to move forward as a church and we wanted to say thank you to all those who filled in the surveys. They've been really helpful to the staff and to the leadership of the church to work out how we move forward from here. We're continuing to work with the Anglican Church and the Anglican Church has a three-step process to emerge out of COVID that we're arranging all of our protocols and practices around. And over the last few weeks, our service teams have been meeting, all 10 of our service teams, to uh, identify how to actually create a, a COVID-safe um, environment as we uh, plan for the gatherings to get back together. So those uh, reports that those service teams are doing are being compiled now. And over the next few weeks, we're going to have a few more meetings that it can help us to actually work out how to move forward. We're not going to rush back to public gatherings, but we are wanting to see if we can start taking steps to move us back to a point where we can start meeting together again. Uh, this weekend, we've got our pastors meeting on Sunday, and the pastors meeting is going to be of all the paid staff and the volunteer pastors, and also the interns of Soul Revival Church. And we're going to work out um, how we can work as pastors across the church. Then on Wednesday, the full Soul Revival Council, all 71 leaders of the Soul Revival Council will meet, and we will also go through uh, the protocols that have been put together by the service teams. And then next week on Sunday morning, those 71 leaders are going to meet together for a trial service to see if we can um, walk through some of the uh, strategies that have been put together that include a lot of the taking on the feedback that we had from the surveys. So after those trials have been put in place, we'll be ready 
to start workshopping and getting our church services back together uh, across the weekend. We are hoping to give you more information soon, but for now, could you please continue to pray that God helps us to continue to be strong witnesses to his gospel in our daily lives and also pray for the church leadership that we'd be able to listen well and take on board all the comments that everyone's had and be able to move forward together safely and carefully. But we do trust in the Lord God and we know that he is king of the whole universe. Only last night at the sermon that we did for the Friday gathering, we looked at Psalm 33 and we're encouraged by the psalmist in Psalm 33 verse 1 to sing to the Lord and to praise his name because in verse 4 it says his word is true and he is righteous. And at the end of that psalm, uh, Psalm 33, in verse 20, the psalmist ends by saying, you can trust the Lord, we can trust the Lord. We can just continue to rely on his good providence and graciousness and mercy to us at these times. So please keep praying. And um, if you have any more feedback, uh, please let us know. Also, we wanna to say too, in all our correspondences, that if you need help or you need extra support, please let us know. Uh, the pastors are continuing to ring around people at church and we're continuing to visit and go on social isolated walks with people and have coffee. So please feel free to get in touch with us if you'd like to have a coffee or to say hello. Thanks for listening. One way. Hey guys, we're now going to spend some time talking to our great God. So please join with me as I pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer, Father, knowing that you are the great and almighty God. You created us and love us, and you continue to display your grace to us each day. Soften our hearts to love you as we ought, living lives in service of you. We thank you that you are always listening to our prayers. Lord, we have much to be thankful for. Thank you that our community has been able to continue to connect in certain ways. We thank you that smaller groups can now meet together and that we can still continue to engage online. We pray particularly for the pastors, for Stu, Jai, Karen and Paul, as well as our volunteer pastors who have been working hard to ensure we continue to express community around Jesus. Help all of us to have servant hearts and to watch out for those in our community who are struggling. Help us all to love each other well as 2020 continues to be challenging. I pray in particular today for our young people who have either finished school for the term or are very close to. Term two is often challenging, but this year it has been unique, where students have dealt with off-site learning in a variety of ways as they gradually made their way back into classrooms. Please help the school students in our community to rest well these holidays, and I pray that our year 12s in particular may find comfort in what is a most difficult year to finish school. We pray for anyone in our community who are struggling, those who are suffering from long-term illness or injury, those who are mourning, and those who are wrestling with their mental health. Father, you know us all intimately. Help us to trust in you and your timing. And finally, we pray for our wider community. As churches in Sydney meet together in person or prepare to, Help Christians to carefully consider how to welcome both regulars and visitors with warmth. May we look to Jesus as the model of self-sacrificial love. And we thank you for Jesus, through whom we have access to you, Father, and the inheritance of eternal life. 
We pray these things in his name. Amen. We're reading from Proverbs chapter 9. You can follow along on the screen. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She's also set her table. She has sent out her servants and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Well, good day, everyone. My name's Tim. We're going to be having a look at that passage from uh, Proverbs chapter 9 uh, in just a sec. But first, a song. Come on, understanding. Visit me for once today. I'll be grateful. You don't even have to stay. It must be hard for you to get over to my side of town. I know there's many people like me to be found. If you come knocking on my door and I am not around, foolishness came by and we're downtown. Please don't leave. Please come on in and make yourself at home. I know you're probably used to being alone. Profound words there from the King Solomons of 90s pop punk, MXPX. Uh, what both King Solomon in Proverbs chapters 8 and 9 and MXPX do in this song is to imagine that wisdom, that understanding, is someone that could be your friend. For MXPX, it's inviting wisdom and understanding into your house. But even more profoundly, in Proverbs 8 and 9, wisdom is the hostess throwing on a lavish banquet, inviting you to come in and share her meal, share her life. For those of uh, the English students amongst us, the term is personification. Thank you, Mrs. Williams. Why does Solomon write about wisdom in this way? Uh, what does he hope that we will discover by personifying wisdom, by thinking of wisdom as a friend that we can get to know? Well, for that, we're going to need God's spirit of wisdom to be with us. So let's pray. Father God, thank you for these words of wisdom from Solomon. 
that you have preserved for us in Holy Scripture. May your spirit be with each of us now in our homes as we wrestle with the call of wisdom and the call of foolishness and what it means to live in sync with the pattern which you have made this world. Amen. So the passage we have before us is about the call of two women, the personification of wisdom on the one hand and folly on the other. Both women are calling out from the highest place of the village. Uh, We might say today that they're saturating the news feeds. They've gone viral on social media. And their message is the same. They want us to invite us into their homes to feed on the bounty of their table. And by eating with them, we are to share in their lives. In essence, we are called to live their way. But while their method and message are the same, The consequence of choosing one voice over the other is profound. Heeding the call of wisdom leads to a full and flourishing life. But heeding the call of folly leads to death. So if the consequence is so stark, it'll do us well to think through what does Solomon actually mean by wisdom and folly? What does he mean by life and death? How are we to understand these terms in the passage before us? Well, the Bible, particularly here in Proverbs chapters 8 and 9, describes wisdom as the way in which the world was created. It's the very nature of God's good design. Wisdom has been sewn into the fabric of the universe. To to use an old expression, it's in the very warp and woof of the cosmos. C.S. Lewis, when he writes his Narnia series, uh, has Aslan talking about the deep magic that undergirds the whole of Narnia. It's the same kind of idea. And what's really profound is that this wisdom stems from God's own character. It's an expression of who he truly is. Uh, Francis Schaeffer was a 20th century Christian philosopher and cultural critic. Uh, He writes this, that there is no law behind God. The moral absolutes rest upon God's own character. The creation, as he originally made it, conforms to his character. And so we see here the creation, the wisdom that undergirds all of creation is an expression of God. It's who he truly is. Not that God is creation, that would to be misunderstand. God is separate from creation, but as he builds creation, as he puts it together, wisdom undergirds the entire cosmos. And therefore, to walk in the way of wisdom, to heed and to follow its call, is to go with the grain of how the cosmos works. It's to swim or paddle with the current, if you like. To live the wise life is to live the life that God has truly created you to live. Because God is the creator of the universe, uh, because he has made it to flow in a certain direction in both the natural world and in terms of human relationships, well, then the best way to live, the wise way to live, is to live in line with how God has created the world to be. Uh, Schaefer goes on to say this, the moral commands that he has given to men, by that he means humankind, are an expression of his character. Mankind is created in his image and are to live by choice on the basis of what God is. So the standards of morality are determined by what conforms to his, God's, character. 
while those things that do not conform are immoral. So to be wise, to be moral, is to live God's way, the way that he has designed you and I to live. But to be foolish, to be immoral, is to live against God's ways, contrary to the way that he's called us to live. You often say to my um, SRE class, imagine a DVD player, to which they then look blankly back at me and wonder what a DVD player is, but you get the idea. Imagine a DVD player. Uh, there are many ways in which you could use a DVD player. You could use it to chalk up a wonky table leg. Uh, you could use it as a bookend on your shelf. You could use it to stand on, get that extra little bit of height you need to find mum's stash of chocolate at the back of the pantry. Yeah, there are lots of ways that you can use a DVD player. But the way that it works best is the way that it was designed to be used. Because the creator had in mind what the function of this device would be. And so to use it well, to get the best out of this device, is to use it in sync with the creator's original design. Now, how much more are you and I, is this universe a product of God's good and wise creation? You know, God has given us the freedom we can live in, in many different ways. We can choose to live along a lot of different paths. But when we follow the way of wisdom, when we follow God's way, we'll be living life according to God's good design. We'll be in sync with his pattern for the cosmos. And this is what Solomon means when he says throughout the book of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He doesn't mean that we should be scared of God. We're not terrified by him because he is something bad or terrible that could happen to us. It means to have a reverence for God. It's an awe for God as the creator and sustainer of the universe. It's a recognition that he is the creator who has designed life to work best. And so when we fear God as the beginning of wisdom, we recognize that to live the wise life is to live in line with the way that God has created the universe to be. So if this is wisdom, to live according to God's good design, then folly is clearly the opposite, to live against the grain, to swim against the current. And why is this foolishness? Well, two reasons. Firstly, simply, it just doesn't work. Paddling upstream, swimming against the current in the rip, it's inefficient, it's ineffective, and in the end is just going to result in more hurt, more pain, more tiredness, with the world. But the second reason that folly lives up to its name is because when we live against God's good design, it's personal. When we talk about God knitting wisdom into the very essence of the cosmos, we're not talking about an impersonal force like fate or karma or in Star Wars, literally the force. When we work against God's good design for the world, we are working against God himself. Which is why, as Christians, when we talk about sin, we talk about it being a broken relationship. The moral wrong that we commit against a personal God. You see, folly matters. Sin matters. Living against God's good design matters because God is a personal being. He's the personal being that established this wise order of the universe at the very start of creation. So that's wisdom and folly, understanding what Solomon means there. But what does he mean when he talks about life 
and death. Uh, we see there in verse 11 that Solomon writes, For through wisdom your days will be many, years will be added to your life. And then in contrast, the guests of folly in verse 18 are dead. They're deep in the realm of the dead. What does he mean by life and death in this context? Well, there's two unhelpful or incomplete ways that Christians have understood this idea of life and death here in Solomon's words. Uh, the first is simply to take them purely and only at face value and to say that when we live God's way, when we obey all his commands, when we are faithful to him, then we will always and only turn out well for us. As long as we heed wisdom's call, following God's good design, then no trouble will ever besiege us. We will only experience health, wealth and prosperity because verses like this promise us that it is the reward for faithful living. Now, there's a number of problems with this understanding of the text, not least of which is the fact that it's just unlivable. You don't have to live very long to realise that that's not how the world works. There are faithful Christians who are living according to God's good design, who get sick and die, who lose their jobs through global pandemics, who suffer the pain and anguish of fractured families and broken relationships, who suffer as victims of war and strife and famine and terrorism. You know, the promises of the prosperity gospel just ring hollow. And so because of that, another interpretation that Christians have had is to swing right over to the other side of the understanding and to say, well, these passages have nothing to do with this life and they only have to do with the afterlife. That if we live God's way here and now, then we will have eternal life in new creation. And if we don't live God's way now, then we will spend eternity in hell. Life and death in these passages are only to be interpreted with reference to eternity. Now, the problem with this is not that it's untrue. There are certainly other passages that talk about our fate in the new resurrection and the new creation. But the problem with understanding this passage in that way is that, again, it rings hollow with the actual words of Proverbs. Why would we have 31 chapters of wisdom and advice on how to live God's way if the only application was about life after death? You, know, you may have heard Stuart uh, talk about the bus pass version of being a Christian. I suppose it should be an Opal card now. Um, the Opal card is completely irrelevant to your life. You spend exactly zero minutes thinking about your Opal card, except for the moment you step onto the bus or train or ferry. And it's not uncommon for some Christians to talk about being Christian in the same way, that it has absolutely zero impact on the majority of my life, but I'm really glad that I've got my salvation Opal card in my pocket ready for when I get to enter heaven. But that's not the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom, God's good design for life, is for every moment, as well as our eternal futures, to be about living God's way. So we're constantly faced in this life with decisions on how we will act, how we will speak, what choices we will make with food and money and relationships, um, romantic partners, raising kids, renting or buying, travelling or staying at home. You know, there's lots of things that we face in our life in all the spheres of life that we inhabit. The voice of wisdom and folly are calling out to us. Will you speak to this or that person in a way that's in line with God's will, wise design for the universe? 
You know, will your day-to-day decisions on parenting your children or your teenagers match the rhythm of how God created this world to be? Will the way that you fill in your tax returns, the honesty with which you fill in boxes and claim deductions, will it be in sync with the moral law, that deep magic of the cosmos, which is a reflection of God's own character? And while we want to uh, reject a pure prosperity gospel understanding, we definitely can't say that God will always give us blessings for living his way in this life. We know that sin has affected the world and that is not always true. We also want to affirm that because of the rhythm of the universe, God has actually established this, this sync that when we live in rhythm with that, we will often, not always, because of sin, but often bring about peace, justice, and life. Let's just look at one example. Uh, Let's think about the way the different countries have handled the coronavirus epidemic. You know, one of the aspects of God's character, one of the moral attributes that he's knitted into the fabric of the cosmos is truth. And so when we seek to know truth, and act according to what truth demands, well, we would expect to see life flourish. Now, when we look at countries such as Australia and New Zealand, uh, just two examples of how we've handled the coronavirus outbreak, we can see that, again, very broad statement, but our leaders were interested in being led by truth. They were letting their decisions be shaped by the best medical and social knowledge of how this virus spread amongst the community. Certainly we can argue the details, but it would certainly seem that through enforcing lockdowns, social distancing, high volume testing, contact tracing, we have done much better than most in limiting the spread of the virus throughout our population. Now, on the other hand, there have been some other countries where leaders have not led in line with truth. Some have sought to minimise the risk or understate the danger the coronavirus presents even to the point of recommending there be a reduction of testing so there would appear to be a reduction in the number of recorded cases. By ignoring or under-emphasising the danger of coronavirus, well, it's running in contrary to truth. It cuts across the grain of the moral law that God has inscribed into the cosmos. And we can see, tragically, that this opposition of truth, swimming against the current of God's design, has led to an increase of suffering and death and has rightly been ridiculed as foolish. Whether our leaders or the individual members of society honour God with their lips or not, that's that's not what we're talking about here. But when us as a population, when we sought to live in line with truth, in this case, medical and social truth of how viruses spread, well, we've seen, again, relative to other countries, life protected and life flourish. Of course, there's much more we could say on that topic, uh, but I hope that illustrates the point. Which then leads us with two final questions. Firstly, uh, where is Jesus in all of this talk of wisdom and folly? And last one, how do we listen to and heed the call of wisdom? Well, our catch cry here at Soul Revival is that Jesus changes everything. So how does Jesus change our understanding of wisdom and folly as we see here in Proverbs 9? Well, when Jesus comes, he shows us what true wisdom is. He shows us in the very incarnation of God himself what it means to live God's way. 
Jesus is wisdom in the flesh. And so it doesn't surprise us at all that Jesus also tells a story about a generous host, throwing a lavish feast, inviting all to come and dine to live with him. But this time it's not Lady Wisdom who is the hostess, it's Jesus himself that invites us to come eat with him and to live his way. How do we live in sync with God's good design of the universe? How do we live in rhythm with the deep truths of the cosmos? Well, Jesus shows us that it's a personal relationship with him. To live wisely is to live with Jesus, to follow his example and to follow his way. And so the final question, how do we heed the call of wisdom? How do we make sure that we are following the voice of the Saviour and rejecting the call of folly? Where do we see these calls in real life? What does it actually look like? Well, really, we can see these calls to follow wisdom or follow folly anywhere that we look. Anything you read, anything you watch, listen to, they'll all be reinforcing either the call of wisdom or the call of foolishness. So let's just take one very practical example and think about the way that we spend our time on social media. It's estimated that there's 35 billion users of social media in the world, uh, 48% of boomers, 77% of Gen Xers and 90% of millennials are using social media. So that covers most of us here, I think, at Soul Revival. Uh, the, average use of Soul Revi- uh, sorry, the average use of social media uh, across the generations is about three hours per day. And the social media is constantly vying for your attention. Have a look at some of the statistics here. Um, Every day, there are 40,000 songs uploaded to Spotify. There's 95 million uploaded photos to Instagram each day. There's 300 hours of content uploaded to YouTube every minute. And while I couldn't get upload numbers, I did get viewership numbers for TikTok. There's about a million videos viewed per day. Now, add to that, there's estimated to be about 30 million podcast episodes available, 60 million blogs that you could read, uh, and there's about 101 TV shows or movies that were dropped onto Netflix just in June. Now, with these kind of numbers, it's no wonder we feel that we can't keep up. Of course, we're in a constant state of FOMO, fear of missing out, because of course we are. With these kind of statistics, you are going to miss out on 99.99% of all the content that is available that you could engage in. But all of these platforms are vying for your attention. All of them are calling out to you, inviting you in, enticing you to come and stay and eat and live in their world. The question is not about whether social media is good or bad. I'm not interested in that question. I am interested in the question, the content that you engage in while you're online, is it the voice of wisdom or is it the voice of folly that you are hearing? Does your Instagram feed, the videos on your YouTube up next or you know, your Netflix wish list, do they encourage you to live in line with the moral rhythm that God has established in the cosmos? Does it help you to live like and with Jesus? There's no one-size-fits-all to those questions. Uh, There's both wise and foolish content on all of those platforms. It is a question of discipleship, though. Who or what is discipling you? Who or what is shaping your view of 
life, your understanding of how to live in this world? Are the voices you're listening to making you more wise or more foolish? Here's one real practical application that you can do this week. Spend 30 minutes looking at who you follow on social media. What channels are you subscribed to? What influences do you follow? What podcasts are you listening to? What's on your list on Netflix? And then ask the serious question. Are these voices, these influences, helping me live a wise life? Does listening to them, following them, taking on their values, are they leading me closer to the banquet of the wise or closer to the feast of the foolish? What might you delete? What might you add to help shape your discipleship to be more in line with Jesus? I want to finish with one final quote. Uh, As I was preparing this sermon, actually the only commentary I had on hand was one uh, written by an Englishman, the name of Charles Bridges in 1846. So the language is a bit dated, but the way that he wraps up his thoughts on Proverbs 8 and 9 were just really profound and brilliantly encouraging. I hope they are to you as well. He says this, reader or listener, the wisdom of God and the great deceiver of man stand before you. Both are wooing thine heart, one for life, the other for death. Both are intensely anxious for success. Both spread out their feasts for the simple. Oh, but how opposite their end. The one makes the simple wise unto eternal life. The other bears away her willing captive into unutterable misery. Which voice arrests thine ear? Which allures your heart? Which feast excites your appetite? Whose guest art thou? One way. Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Uh, Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixit.